as we continue in praising and thanking God. Preaching 101 tells you not to get up and preach without a handkerchief. And I do it all the time. I don't like handkerchiefs. <laughs> oh, man. Today's text is Luke chapter 17. And we're going to be looking at verses 11 through 19. Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. As you turn there, I want to set this up for you. So where we find Jesus in this passage of Scripture, uh, Jesus is wandering around, making his way back to Jerusalem. And he is on his way back to Jerusalem to celebrate uh, the Passover. Now, the Passover that he's going to celebrate is going to be the last Passover that he'll be for, be here for. Uh, but it's not the last time that he will be in Jerusalem. Because remember, he makes his way to Jerusalem. And in the midst of this uh, trip that he makes there, um, uh, you know, the priest and the, uh, the, the Pharisees, uh, you know, they... They try to kill him. So Jesus leaves Jerusalem, and he leaves Jerusalem for a period of time, just a couple of days or a couple of weeks. And remember, that's whenever he tells his disciples that he needs to go back to Jerusalem. And that's whenever uh, James, uh, you know, steps in, and James kind of, I think it's James, and he says, well, he says, if you're going to Jerusalem to die, then we will go to die with you. Uh, and he makes that statement, and that would be Jesus' last trip into Jerusalem. So this is that trip before there, but he's wandering around. So he's going from village to village, and he's preaching and teaching, and he's uh, you know healing people. Um, and we find here that he is on the border of uh, Samaria and Galilee whenever uh, you know, we get into this passage of Scripture today. And we find that he goes into this, uh, you know, into this village, and we find that there's ten lepers that's standing at a distance, and they begin shouting out, "Jesus, Master, have mercy on us!" So uh, let me set this up for you. I want to, I want to kind of bring this to us. Uh, you know, if you'll allow me this morning, I. I want to set it up with this story. Um, so there was this uh, young man, this cobbler. And no, I'm not talking about a peach cobbler or a cherry cobbler that we're fixed to go eat. This is a cobbler that is a shoemaker. Uh, and this cobbler is, uh, you know, he's living in this little town. And this town is called, well, you know, let's say that it's Samaria. And him and his wife and his, uh, you know, two daughters, uh, you know, they have this nice little business and he's making shoes for the people in the community. And, uh, you know, he wakes up this one morning and he looks at his hands and at his arms and his, his skin is discolored and he has some bumps beginning to appear on his, on his hands and his, on his arms. So, uh, you know, in fear, he gets up and, uh, you know, him and his wife, and they go to the doctor. 
and the doctor confirms their worst fears and says that, yes, you have leprosy. Well, this is devastating news because this meant that he was no longer able to be the shoemaker for this little community. He was, not alone, he was no longer able to be in the same home with his wife and with his children. His wife and children pack up his clothes and they say goodbye, but they have to say goodbye at a distance. They can't give him a hug. They can't give him a kiss. He leaves their home. He leaves everything that he has known for the last 35 or 40 years. He leaves what he loves. And he goes and he lives in a community with other outcasts, with other people that have leprosy. He has to forge for himself. He has to dig through the garbage cans to be able to have enough to eat to provide for himself. We don't know how long he's been there. But can you imagine? Can you imagine leaving your husband or your wife and your children and no longer being able to hug them or to touch them and to have to live this life of an outcast? You know, there was no cure for leprosy. They don't really know how leprosy actually spreads. Is it by touch? Is it by being coughed on? Is it by blood transfusion? Uh, You know, is it, you know, how do we, how do we contract this horrible disease that disfigures, maims, and eventually takes your life? This man lives this. And then, yes, we find him today, and he's gathered around with about, you know, he's gathered with, uh, you know, nine other gentlemen. Throughout this, we find that, uh, you know, there's been stories and there's been rumors that's gone on about this man that, that is able to heal people with leprosy. He's able to heal people that are blind. He's able to heal the ones that are sick. They've even heard stories that he has raised people from the dead. And they find out that this man is coming close by where they're going to be at. So they gather together. And they begin to shout out, Jesus, Master, Have mercy on us. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And then Jesus does something that's really unusual. Because all the healings that they've heard about, he's spit in the dirt and he's made mud and he's put it on someone's uh, eyes and they were able to see. Uh, You know, he told this other gentleman that had leprosy that he needed to go to the Jordan River and he had to wash seven times to become clean. 
And we have these other ones where he just simply touched them and they were healed. But all Jesus does is tells them to go to the priest. It's an unusual request. Just go to see the priest. But most of them there knew that you had to go to the priest to be claimed clean from your disease. So they're like, okay, he's telling me to go to the priest. So I have hope that if I go to the priest, that I'll be healed. So they turn and they begin their way to go to the priest. And somewhere in that journey, they look and they realize, hey, I'm clean. I no longer have leprosy. Can you imagine what rushed through his mind? I get to go home to my daughters. I get to go home and give my wife a kiss. I get to sleep in my bed. Wow! He's like, my life has been returned to me. But he says, wait a minute. I need to go and give thanks to the one that healed me. So let's go to the scripture. Did you like the little story? Now let's see what we have in the scripture. The scripture begins in verse 11 and it says, Jesus continued on towards Jerusalem. He reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a village there, Ten lepers stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on me. He looked at them and said, Go, show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus Shouting, praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory? To God, except this foreigner. And Jesus said to the man, Stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. Amen. Your faith has healed you. This morning, I want us to think about this. We really need to think about being that one. That one that regardless of what's going on, that whenever we have the opportunity to go and to turn and to give God thanks, that we need to do that. Before we get into there, 
I want us to see something about Jesus and to get this understanding that we need to see here. Jesus shows us that he has compassion for everyone regardless of who they are and regardless of how they are going to react towards his compassion. Jesus, Messiah, Son of God, knows the heart. He knows what we're going to do. He healed all ten, knowing that only one would come back and praise him. But he still healed the ten. His compassion reaches to everyone. But we also see in here there's uh, these words that we find. It says that whenever the man saw that he was cleansed, that he was cleaned of leprosy, whenever he saw that he was cleansed. Whenever he saw it, there's a lot of times that God does things for us, but we don't see it. Let me tell you this little story. We're full of stories this morning. There's this man in Charlotte. He's been laid off for quite a while and he's ran through all of his emergency cash and uh, you know his savings has dwindled and he has this job opportunity and he's gone to one interview and it went fairly well and they were calling him back for the second interview. So he leaves from let's say Rock Hill and he leaves early enough to kind of deal with the traffic. But there was something else that happened along the way, and traffic was a little bit heavier than usual. And whenever he gets into downtown Charlotte, he's almost out of time. He can't be late for this interview. So he's driving around, and he's searching for this parking spot. And he's, he's like, you know, God, if... You know, now he's not a church going guy, you know. So we, you know, like we all do, we're in a panic. You know, he begins to pray. So he begins to pray, and he's like, God, if you would give me a parking spot, I need one really bad. I've got to get to this interview. My money's drained. I really need this job. And if I can't make it to this interview, please, God, if you can just, if if right down the road here, if you can just simply open up a parking spot. He said, I'll go to church. He said, I'll even start tithing. Just please open up this parking spot. He turns the corner and there's a parking spot right there. He pulls into the parking spot and he goes, oh, never mind, God, I found one. (laughs) There's a lot of times that God opens up a parking spot for us. But we don't see it as God opening up the parking spot. And we refuse to give him the praise and the glory for it. 
Does that mean that God won't open the next parking spot for him? No. Remember, he's going to show his compassion to everybody. Kind of gives us this understanding that we need to show the compassion to everybody as well, right? God is at work all around us. We have to open up our eyes to be able to see it. There are things in our lives today that we hate. That two or three months from now we're going to be saying thank you so much. Because I am so much stronger for what you have taken me through. There's a lot of joy that's in our lives that we fail to realize that it's there because of God. So we don't give him the praise. We have to see God in front of us. We have to see. But you know what? We also have to make the opportunity or take the opportunity to praise him and to thank him. The passage of Scripture gives us these words and says that the gentleman turned back to go praise Jesus. Uh, you know, whenever we think about this, uh, you know, we see that, uh, you know, yes, there was one gentleman that realized that he was, uh, you know, well, they all realized they were clean. But he's the only one that decided that regardless of what I have looking forward to, Regardless of the fact that now I get to go and be with my wife and my children, that I get to start my life all over again, that I get to enjoy all of these things, I need to go to the one that gave it to me before I can go and enjoy it. We have to be able to go to God. And to thank him and to praise him for it. The problem with it is, is that a lot of us, a, a lot of us have this feeling that, okay, something good happened. Now what, I know something bad's coming. Uh, you know, it's like, okay, where's the other shoe going to come from? What, you know, what, you know, what catastrophe is going to hit me next? I was uh, talking with uh, one of my uh, mentors about uh, three, four months ago, and uh, I, I wasn't I wasn't dealing with some things, uh, you know, very well. So, uh, you know, I had this conversation with him, and uh, you know, we're talking on the phone, and he pauses for a second, and he goes, he goes, John, he goes. Let me, let me give you a picture of, of your house. Now, most of y'all know I don't have a house. So he's like, this is your spiritual house. This is your, your body. He, he said, let me tell you, let me show you what I hear from you and, and what I see. He said, in your house, you have this, this really nice room. It's a little small. It's got nice, comfortable furniture in there. He says, there, you know, there's, there's two nice, comfortable chairs. Uh, you know, it's at the perfect temperature. 
you know, the light is just right. You know, it's really comfortable to go into. And he says, you really like to go into that room. And, and that's, your, that's your family room. That's, that's you and your wife. He says, and then I see this other room that's really big. He said, it's, it's the majority of your, of your house. And he says, I see that you and your wife are there, and, you know, but there's, there's a bunch of other people that's there. He says, you know, that's your church. And I said, yeah. I said, you know, man, we're in a great place. I said, you know, I, I love my wife. You know, it's just her and I at home. Uh, you know, it's this empty nest syndrome that we're just simply loving to death. You know, we, we both have nice, comfortable chairs. You know, we just kind of kick back and, uh, you know, we talk to each other in the morning as we're sipping coffee and we plan our day in the evenings. We kind of have conversations as we're watching Netflix. You know, we like these, uh, you know, we, we like to kind of, uh, you know, kind of get into these certain shows and we'll watch just those shows, two or three of them back to back, and then we'll go to bed. Kind of sounds boring, but it's really good. I, you know, I love my wife, and it's like we're really comfortable together right now, and we're really enjoying this. Uh, you know, and then we got this big room, you know, and it's it's the church, and and I'm loving the church. I really love the people. I love ministering here, and and Peggy loves it, and she's involved in it, and she's doing women's ministry, and we're we're really loving this. So these are two rooms that that we're really loving. And he goes, John. He goes, and there's this. This little bitty room, that's off to the side. And he said, it's, it's kind of dark. He said, it's really kind of neglected. It's got spider webs in there. And he said, uh, you know, two out of the three lights, they're not even working. And, and it has this one chair that's in there that's really not all that comfortable. And he says, I can tell that you really don't spend time in there. He's like, you really need to begin, to, you, you need to revamp that room. He goes, John, he goes, you don't spend any time in your celebration room. You have to be able to celebrate the victories and to celebrate the good things. Instead of just simply having this nice room over here that Peggy and I really like to be in. And then having this really big room with the church and loving the church and loving the ministry and all the things that's going on. I never go into this room and, and thank God for that small room that Peggy and I are in that we love so much and, and the big room that the church is in that we just love so much. I don't spend any time in there. We all have to have that thank you room. We all have to have that room that we're able to go in and that we're able to sit and to meet God and say, Thank you so much for what you have done for me. Now, it might seem kind of strange because at that point in time, I was really stressing out on this two-year review. And he's like, you really need to go into that thank you room. You need to change the light bulbs. You need to get rid of the spider webs. You've got to spend time in there. You know, I'm, I'm not a fool. I know that there's difficult things that we all go through. 
I don't think there's a person that is not sitting here today that has not lost a loved one, an aunt, an uncle, you know, someone down the line, maybe a brother or a sister, you know, a father, or a mother. You know, we, we've all had loss. But God says, even in the midst of those, I still have you in my hands. And because I have you in my hands, you need to thank me. We need to thank him. We need to praise him even for those difficult moments and times. Because they will make us stronger. That whenever we get to the other side, we will truly be able to say thank you for what you have made me. Thank you for the way that you have molded my life. That you have taken all of these things and made them to work to where I would be a stronger Christian for you. We have to go into that room. We have to make it up. It's, it's, we've got to get there. This man, he had everything looking forward. No longer is he an outcast in life. No longer does he have to rummage through the trash cans for food. No longer does he have to stand at a distance and holler out, unclean, unclean, making sure that people didn't get too close to him. No longer did he have that. He was cleansed. But he took the time to go back to the one that healed him. I think it was last Sunday or two Sundays ago that Diane sung that favorite song of mine. I know that she sings a lot of other songs really good, but oh man, I'd rather the healer than the healing. I'd rather the Savior than the saving. I'd rather Jesus than anything. That's where this guy was. He says, yes, I'm clean. Yes, I have this wonderful life in front of me. But I've got to go thank the one that gave it to me. So he turns back and he goes to Jesus. I want us to see, and and we need to remember and see here that In this process, in verse 14, verse 14 says that they were cleaned, that they were cleansed from their leprosy. Some translations do go and use the word heal, but they don't use the same word for heal in verse 14 as they do in verse 19. I want you to grab this. Verse 14 and verse 19. Regardless of whatever translation that you're looking at. Whether they were cleansed from leprosy. Or they were healed from leprosy. It's not the same word that he used. 
for whenever Jesus told this man that your faith has healed you. The word that this man used, or whenever, or the word that Jesus used whenever he said that, you know, that your faith has made you heal or has healed you is so sakinsic, if I'm pronouncing this correctly, sakinsic, which means that your faith has made you well unto salvation. So whenever we find that what's happening here is that this gentleman being a Samaritan, and one of the things that we have to deal with with being a Samaritan is is that, yes, Samaritans were half-breeds. Yes, they had half of the Jewish religion, and they had half of some other religion that they were trying to bring together, and they, so they had a different religion. So the Jews didn't like the Samaritans because at that point in time, they didn't think that two halves made a whole. They were still half of a person. So the Jews, but the thing about it is, is that the part of the relationship or the part of their religion that matched up with the Jews still had, and he still knew that there was supposed to be a Messiah that God was going to send. So he still knew that there was going to be a Messiah. He still knew some of the things that was supposed to happen that this Messiah was supposed to do. So we see that he's walking along, he sees that he's clean, that he's clean from leprosy. I believe at that moment in time, he's like, oh, wait a minute. This is not just some man that's healing people. This is the Messiah that the scripture talks about. This is... This is the Son of God that the Scripture tells us is supposed to come and to save us. So he then goes back to him and he praises him and thanks him for the healing. And then Jesus says that your faith has made you well. That by him coming back, he says, I want the Messiah more than I want the healing. I want the Messiah more than I want the world that I have in front of me. I want the Messiah more than I want to go and hug my wife and kiss my children and kiss my wife. I want Jesus Christ. We have to get there. We have to get to the point that we can be that one that says, regardless of what's going on around me, regardless of how life looks, I'm going to thank and praise my Messiah above all things and before all things. I thank Him and praise Him for the good days. I thank Him and praise Him for the bad days. I thank Him for the joy. I thank Him for the sorrows. I thank Him, I thank Him, I thank Him because of who He is, not because of what He has done for me. 
but because of who he is. We need to be that one that gets it. Let's stand this morning. I'm going to have Susan come and play, and it's just going to be brief because this morning, it's just simply, do you get it? That we need the Messiah more than we need anything else. And if you're there and you say that, yes, I'm the one, then return this morning and just simply come to the altar and thank God for what He has done for you. Regardless of where you are, regardless of the struggles, we've got to say, thank you. Thank you. Because I want the Messiah more than I want the healing. I want the Messiah more than I want the joy. I want the Messiah more than I want anything in this world. Father, we do come to you this morning. And God, as the the altars are lined and the front pews are lined, dear Lord, I thank you, God, for each one that has made this step. God, that says, I'm the one. I'm going to return to you because I want you more than I want anything else. I want the Messiah in my life more than anything else. God, I know they're the ones that are in the audience still that say in the same thing. You know, God, I thank you, dear Lord, for this morning. God, this morning is a morning, dear Lord, that we praise and worship you. Yes, this is the morning that we say, I want you above all. Thank you. Thank you for what you have done. Thank you for being my Messiah. Thank you for saving me from this dreaded disease of sin in my life. This disease that leads to death. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. So what we're going to do, we have the meal that's going to be afterwards. So we'll exit out of here and we'll go straight over to the fellowship hall. And we will begin to fellowship and to feast. Uh, You know, there's turkey over there. There's, I I don't know what's all over there. I know there's turkeys over there. I know there's a cherry pie over there. Uh, You know, uh, there's great stuff that's over there. 
uh, you know, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to close to pray, you know, to, I'm going to pray to close the service, and then I will also pray for the meal so that whenever you get over there, you can just simply begin to enjoy the meal and enjoy the fellowship. All right? Let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much for today. Uh, you know, God, I pray that your face would shine upon us. And God, that your mercies and that your blessings from heaven will be poured out. God, I pray that you would be with us in this time of fellowship. And God, that you would give us this food to the nurse for our bodies. And that you would bless the hands that have provided it. In Jesus' name, amen.